Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. As I have been, I'm going to start out by talking about this week's lockdown giveaway, which is the Fenrir optical drive emulator, the same one that I used in my review. So it's new-ish. It's got just a little bit of testing on it, but um, I want to thank 8-Bit Mods and I want to thank Sed for donating this, both for the review and for the giveaway. Uh, they only sent one, so I, did, I wasn't greedy and asked for two or anything like that. Um, but I, you know, I don't usually like taking free anything. Um, so I'm glad I was able to use this both for a review and a giveaway because that way I don't feel like I'm. I, I always hate feeling like I'm a shiller, which is a little ridiculous and it's my own issue because when you drop 20, 30, 40 hours into a project, you know, some of that's testing, obviously, and then the rest into the video. It's still, you know, I, I shouldn't have to feel like I'm shilling for free content, but after seeing so many other people do that and really make a business of doing that, I just feel, I feel dirty. So I'm glad to, uh, I'm glad to spread the love for the Fenrir. I'm glad that the, I was sent a copy to, to mess with, and then I'm able to now give away. So uh, just as always, just want to remind everybody, please turn on notifications or at least check the channel. I would say by Monday morning, they're, they're usually up on Sunday mornings, but anybody who wants to be part of this giveaway, uh, I hear a lot of people telling me they're not getting notifications, even though they specifically click on the bell and they click on all, and they are not getting any notifications for this stuff. So I'm really sorry. Uh, YouTube is clearly broken and has been for a long time now. It's been probably six months of this, if not more. So no excuses for the lockdown or anything, but I want to get this out to as many people as possible. I want to give as many people possible a chance to win. So please share these, you know, repost, retweet, whatever you got to do. Uh, and I'll try to do this. I mean, it looks like another month of lockdown here in New York. So it looks like another month of these. Um, and hopefully I'll be able to get through to a lot of people. So let's just get ready and do the actual drawing and see who won the Fenrir. Okay, now on to the actual drawing. Um, as I have been for the past few weeks, I'm going to be doing this live so people could see what I do, but I will also be speeding up any of the parts that uh, are just waiting because I don't want to bore people to death, especially people who are on audio only and uh, don't get to see what's going on on screen. Okay, now we get everything queued up and I'm going to just press the button and pick the random winner. <laughs> Shweddy. Okay, Shweddy, congratulations. I hope you enjoy the Fenrir Optical Drive Emulator. Uh, and please look for a response to your comment below in order to and how to get in touch with me. So thanks again for participating. Thanks to everybody for participating. And I hope to do at least a few more of these. Okay, first up is something that I got really excited about when I first started to test it. And it's adaptive composite video blending for the Genesis core of the Mister. And it's kind of complicated if you're listening audio only, so I'm going to try my best to explain it. 
But essentially, some games back in the 80s and 90s were designed by developers knowing that composite video was going to blur the image so much that they could actually use that to create specific artwork. So rather than just ending up with a blurry mess, you get a deliberately made piece of art that's blended together with composite video. And in doing so, you were able to make things like the waterfall in Sonic the Hedgehog 1 look more like transparent water and not just rectangles going across the screen. Um, and both the Mr. and the Mega SG has had composite blending for a while now that has blurred the entire image in order to give that same sense. But the downside of it is that all the things that are not supposed to be blurred are now blurred. So uh, now the Mr. Genesis Core has something called adaptive transparency blending that tries to detect which layers are using that transparency and only blend that layer. And while the Sonic Waterfall example is one that's most common, um, the one that I really liked was Crusader of Senti, because you could see the pretty much the first scene in the game. As soon as you walk outside the house, there's clouds that go ahead, uh, go overhead. And if you're playing in RGB on an RGB monitor, or if you're just playing digitally, those clouds just look like dots floating over. And of course, if you uh, turn on composite blending, they look like clouds, but everything is kind of blurred. But if you look at it with adaptive blending, you get a transparent cloud floating over a perfectly sharp character and other backgrounds in the game. So it was something that I just, I was really impressed at because I didn't think this was possible. I just thought it was a very cool thing. Um, now it doesn't work in every case. Uh, virtual racing is one where you really need to turn on the main blending. Um, and I saw proof of concept of things that could be possible with the transparency blending tweaked a little bit more, but I mean, it, now you're talking pretty complicated algorithms to detect this. I think, I think. I just, uh, you know, I'm I'm mostly speculating, but I also know this is a lot harder than just adding, adding some code and hoping it works. Uh, also, full motion video games have always and will always look terrible. There's nothing you could really do about that. Um, it would be nice to somehow figure out which is the video layer to blend only that and then leave the rest sharp. Um, but the adaptive can't do that at the moment. And to be honest, you know, it, there are some good full motion video experiences, or if you don't want to call them good, at least stuff that you might want to, to, to experience again. And it might be better to just use those in composite video on a CRT, depending. Now, it's all preference. Everybody is different. Everybody's eyes prefer something different, but that's kind of where I'm at with, uh, you know, if uh, basically if, if I had a choice between playing something like double switch on either composite on a CRT or RGB through a scalar, I'm definitely picking composite on, an, uh, on a CRT, but just my opinion. So overall, this is really incredible. And I just want to take this uh, time one or take this opportunity one more time to remind everybody that the Mr. Team is absolutely amazing. Anybody who really enjoys this stuff, um, who benefits from it, should consider signing up for some of their Patreons. They're all linked on the main Mr. page. Um, and, you know, I'm always very careful in how I word who contributes what, because it is a team effort, and I don't want to take away from that. But, you know, this one was, I believe the original composite blending was added by Risha, and then Ash Evans came out with uh, Electron Ash, came up with uh, the idea for the adaptive, 
and then Sorg kind of, I mean, this is really his baby. So every single feature that goes into Mr. goes through him and then gets tweaked uh, accordingly. So it really is a team effort, but there are some pretty key players that are always spending their time helping people essentially for free, other than what they make through Patreon. So, uh, you know, it, I realize it's a weird time, but if you still have the ability to, to donate just the smallest amount to your favorite creators is always something that that will add up especially spreading the word i think you know donating that dollar or whatever the, whatever the minimum amount that is okay for you to do is a giant help but doing that and telling other people i think makes even more of a difference to be honest so um, you know check out links to all of the the patreon people who or to all of the mr crew who have a patreon especially the ones that contribute so much you know especially sorg so uh and yeah i'm gonna i'm my only hopes in this now is that we get to see something like this on other cores and for me personally uh, i don't know how many people out there care about this they could just be a handful of crazy people like me but what i would love to see is composite blending at the very least basic composite blending but possibly even adaptive blending with the sega master system and uh and nes cores and also i'd like to see the 3d support implemented in the main downloads because i think a year or two ago, I forgot how long ago it was, but somebody had sent me a beta proof of concept that turned those 3D games into side-by-side -side signals that could be processed by any modern 3D TV. And what I had found was uh, Maze Hunter or Maze Walker in Japan looked phenomenal. I mean, that game uses the 3D effect as part of the game. It really, it's one of the few 3D games that doesn't just use it for fun or for a gimmick. It really is part of the game. And I think that's probably why the developers spent extra good time making sure that uh, the 3D worked well. But a lot of the other Master System games in that core, and even in RGB on a larger RGB monitor, you start to really see some... It doesn't look as good as you would expect. And I think with composite blending, that might actually really help the effect, because I think they were kind of counting on both... Your average person had a 20-inch or smaller TV back then, uh, and everybody was pretty much using composite video or RF. And I think they counted on that as part of how the 3D effect would work. Um, so if you, you know, this is one of the rare moments where if you play it in a razor-sharp emulator or on a flat screen, those other games don't really look so hot. And, you know, people disagree with me all the time, but I just think OutRun and Space Harrier and 3D and Zaxxon are just so freaking cool. I absolutely love uh, Missile Defense 3D, you know, th uh, 3D 8-bit missile light gun game. Like, it just, it's the, all of the cheesiness all in one. And the game gets hard quick, so you don't have to play it for an hour before it gets challenging. You could, you could spend 5-10 minutes with it and have a great time and be done with it. Um, and there's a few on the, the Famicom as well that were at least worth playing. Um, you know, Rad Racer has its Highway Star Japanese version that instead of using red or blue glasses, it uses um, the 3D shutter technology. So, you know, like I said, maybe I'm just rambling about something that only I care about, but it would be very cool if that 3D support could be added into the main Mr. Core uh, if people care about it. So sorry to go off so long on this one. I just I think this was an incredibly impressive thing that you can't get anywhere else you can't get it on uh using original cartridges and original roms in an fpga environment i don't know if there's software emulators that can do this 
but there's certainly no no uh, no box you could get that does this that I know of. Uh, definitely not original consoles, not the analog products, only the Mister at the moment. So this is very awesome, and I hope anybody with a Mister tries it out. Arithmus on the Shmups forums has just designed a 3D printed replacement controller cable for the Sega Saturn 3D controller. So this is going to require a little bit of explanation. Um, the Sega Saturn 3D controller is essentially a controller with an analog stick on it. That was Sega's answer to the N64's analog controller. And I believe this was released in tandem with Nights into Dreams so you could have more precise control. But it was also compatible with a pretty long list of Sega games. Uh, and it worked well with some of the driving ones, if I remember correctly. I owned one for a while. The one weird thing about it, though, is the cable came into a little plastic box that was removable from the controller. Um, I don't really know why, but I do know that anytime something's removable, it could get lost or damaged or something. And that's exactly what happened to Arithmus. So they designed a 3D printed plastic case as well as a PCB. And the PCB was designed so that you could use uh, an official Sega Saturn controller cable. I guess Arithmus had a bunch of broken controllers laying around that they were able to use. Uh, However, I'm pretty sure you could also just pick up one of those newer RetroBit controllers and use that cable instead. You would have to direct wire it instead of plug the connector in, but it shouldn't be too challenging to just tone out the pins and make sure you get everything right. Um, and also, in, in my opinion, it's a pretty good opportunity to then take that very you know decent quality Saturn controller, direct mod that for super gun use like I talked about last week, and then use the wire for the Saturn 3D pad. So this isn't something that every Saturn fan could use, but um, you know you know who you are. If you're sitting at home right now with a 3D controller missing the cable or with a broken case, but you still have the cable, um, this is definitely something that you should look into. So uh, the design files uh, seem to be open source or at least freeware, and they're available on Thingiverse and OSH Park. So thanks very much to Arithmus to for sharing this with everybody. Um, and if you have a Saturn 3D controller that needs a replacement cable, here you go. Jimmy Hoppe just released a video about Nubo, which was a chocolate company's mascot, or at least one of their mascots, that was turned into a Game Boy game. Um, and everything about the video I, I really enjoyed. I liked the story going into it. I liked all the pictures of the Japanese snacks in the beginning. And I also really appreciated the the weird gameplay setting. So there's no violence in the game at all. The whole thing is a side-scroller puzzler style where you have to figure out how to get through each screen um and it just it seemed like a game that you could just play for a few minutes and really enjoy it didn't seem very long i think there were four levels total none of which looked like it would take hours to complete and i do think a lot of times nowadays shorter games um really get the short end of the stick if you will uh you know i think people are, are often looking for 60 hour things that they could just dive into and, and absorb themselves in, in that world and i really appreciate the other side of that i really appreciate being able to just pick up something play it and enjoy it for a few minutes and not have to dedicate an entire evening to it so the video i, I just made me smile it was a good happy video about kind of a positive game with a neat concept so if you're in the mood to cheer yourself up and look at a, a game boy game definitely Definitely check this one out. Uh, I will warn you, the beginning of the video will make almost all of you hungry if you watch it. Just fair warning. Don't say I didn't warn you. <laughs> Here's a very cool thing for Vectrix fans. Eric from TubeTime just released full schematics of a Vectrix motherboard replica that 
plugs into oscilloscopes that use vector monitors. So he's rightfully calling it the scope tricks. And this just looks awesome. I think this is a perfect way to use an old scope that uh, maybe maybe you have a scope laying around that needs calibration. And you're considering, oh, do I calibrate that or do I just buy a new one? Or maybe it stopped working, but the screen still works. Whatever. There's a million scenarios in which you might end up with one of these. Uh, and it seems to work perfect. Um, it's built off of parts that are available now. So I don't think you need to pull anything out of a Vectrix. I think you could just... Uh, I think you could just buy whatever parts you need. However, you will need to flash one of the chips with the Vectrix BIOS, uh, which is not provided for all the obvious legal reasons. Now, this will not be a sold kit. This is just something that um, that was put out there for anybody that wants to make their own. Um, but this is something where if you like tinkering and you want to make a few of these, I have a feeling a bunch of people would buy them. This is just a really neat concept. Um, I'd also really like to see the Mister have some kind of output to go to vector monitors and and stuff like this, because from what I've heard, the Vectrix core on there is pretty decent as well. Um, the other thing that was released was designs for a new Vectrix controller that uses a dual shock analog stick in place of kind of the, the weird one that was in the original. And this is something that's a pretty big deal because most people I know with Vectrixes, uh, Vectrixes, Vectrex. Vectri, I don't know, whatever. Um, but they end up getting the Sega Genesis controller converter because while it's the same pins, they're not compatible. Uh, and with this converter, you're able to use a Genesis controller or stick with it, but you don't get analog support. So I think this would be a really awesome brand new replacement for a Vectrix controller. Uh, it's just PCB only, so you would need to either use the original case or have some kind of 3D printed or maybe other unique case for it. Um, but all in all, I just think, you know, this is pretty cool for Vectrix owners in general. So, uh, definitely check out tube time and check out the design files. If you think that, uh, there's any chance that you might want to make one of these. Um, and it's pretty interesting. I'd love to see one of these in person. I just posted a pretty fun podcast video with John Linneman from Digital Foundry about good games on failed consoles. And this is a conversation he and have all the time offline, if you will, about different games and ports and stuff like that. And I always have so much fun talking about it that I wanted to make it one video with everything neatly stitched together with a list of the games that we talked about. And it is a video, however, it's there, I didn't add game footage, mostly because I assume that most people that listen to these listen to them audio only so I just seemed like a waste of time but uh, it's basically just us talking about any game we feel is worth playing or any original exclusives that I, we think are worth experiencing on consoles like the 32x the CDI the 3do the Jaguar we didn't go into handhelds this time uh, at about an hour I feel like we covered pretty good ground as well as got um, got reasonably off topic a few times you know it was it it was things that were relevant to the overall discussion, and I just was very appreciative of John taking the time to do all that. I had an absolute blast, and uh, based on the feedback so far, people were really enjoying listening to it as well. So, um, very happy that I was able to do that. And uh, if you if you want a good discussion and some good recommendations of games to play on weird failed consoles, definitely uh, check this one out because I think I think we hit we didn't hit all of them. There certainly wouldn't be enough time to, but we certainly talked about. About a bunch of the ones that are, are certainly worth checking out. 
Tim Worthington has just officially released his 2020 product lineup, many of which we talked about in the interview a few months back. And I'm just going to quickly go through each of the things that he'll be releasing. First is something called the SCART MUX, which is a four input two output SCART switch. Um, it also, the outputs on there are FrameMeister pinout. So uh, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's something where you would use an eight pin mini DIN cable for the outputs um, and either to go eight pin mini DIN to FrameMeister or, you know, so J- basically the same on both sides or eight pin mini DIN to other SCART. Um, it's, it's definitely going to be a niche product, but if you're somebody who's set up, um, is really centered around this or custom cables, you probably know already that this is going to be a, a good solution for you. Next is the Supat, which is a super gun attenuator. So essentially it's a way to take video from arcade boards, um, and I believe it's just the video, not the controller inputs, and get it down to the correct voltage to be used for SCART or just RGBS out uh, via a D-sub connector. Um, I believe uh, it's tested with the Neo Geo as well as other arcade boards, and the video input voltage range could be between 1.4 and 5.2 volts. So that should really be able to take care of all arcade boards. And then I guess you would just have to wire up a different solution for controllers, but that's a pretty interesting one. The next is the SCART to ARC 30, which is uh, another version of Tim's SCART to JAMA adapter with a built-in audio amplifier and uh, a bunch of other options in it that I believe we went into pretty good detail about in the interview. But this is something that I think is is pretty awesome. This is a, a good way to interface things um, directly into arcade cabinets, or I guess, depending on the setup, you might be able to use this to go directly into a CRT. Um, now, there's some modding involved. It's not. This is not going to be a plug-and-play solution. This is really kind of a more advanced thing, but I think people who mod CRTs are probably already thinking about this and, and thinking of different ways that you could utilize this. Uh, but very cool for people that want to integrate that stuff. And then the JAMA Prog, which is an adapter board that converts different controller interface boards to the JAMA Arcade standard. So you'd be able to use like uh, two Xbox 360 controllers, um, you know, controllers from different consoles and stuff like that. This went into great detail in a post, I think last year, uh, about how you could use this and how Tim had planned on wiring it up in different machines. Uh, and also the VGA to SCART, which is essentially just a sync combiner in a SCART head. I say just because that's a lot harder to accomplish than uh, than one would think. There's many different sync combiner circuits you could use. Some work great in certain scenarios, but not others. So we'll certainly see how this one uh, performs. Um, and also, just to be clear, this is not a VGA to RGB downscaler or anything like that. This is just simply an RGBHV to RGBS converter. It should work with, um, you know, 480i and 480p, so should work with Dreamcast, but uh, I'd certainly want to test it just to make sure. And uh, this is something that I was hoping people would make for a while now because it certainly does come in handy. Um, so if anybody wants more details on all of those, check out the link at the bottom of the page, um, as well as definitely check out the interview I did, because Tim goes into detail about a lot of this stuff. But I'm glad to see these products are finally getting released, and I'm certainly looking forward to trying at least a few of these myself. 
Modern Vintage Gamer just did a review of the Sega Genesis module for the Polymega, and I highly recommend watching the video for all of his thoughts and a lot of the things that he found out about it. I certainly don't want to have any spoilers, but I do certainly have my own thoughts on this. Um, first of all, all of this is, of course, still beta, and I would think that when the Polymega releases, they're going to be doing beta or firmware updates all the time in order to tweak things. So while MVG didn't do MD4A testing or lag testing, it kind of would have been pointless at the moment because who knows what they're going to tweak and come out with once it's in the market and people are already using it. I certainly have been more conscious of not digging in too deep and doing hours and hours worth of testing on beta firmware just because it's kind of useless for everybody because it's going to change relatively soon. But I will be doing those tests whenever it's released and whenever I could borrow one to do all of that. Um, and overall, I mean, it's essentially a ROM dumper where you plug in your cartridge, it dumps your ROM to the Polymega, and then you could then play the ROM right from the Polymega after that. And my my thoughts on this is just a personal opinion. It is not, not a fact by any means. I think where the Polymega is really going to show... It, how good it could be and really show its difference is in 3D consoles where they could eventually implement things like possibly HD rendering of certain assets like the Sega Saturn has, or um, maybe even some of that, uh, some of the rendering of PlayStation 1 games like MVG talked about a few months or a month ago or so. And I really think it's just, it's going to be the CD consoles and 3D games and how the Polymega and software emulation in general are able to take advantage of that. Um, I also think that for 2D games and for stuff like 16-bit, uh, 16x9 patches, and also any kind of HD rendering would be what drew me to it. But overall, if you're just looking for something to play cartridges on, or, you know, on your flat screen TV, I think the analog products might be a little bit more fitted to that. Of course, the Mister, but that's not going to have cartridges. Um, the only thing that would set this aside is 32X, because there is no easy way to play 32X cartridges anywhere other than some kind of software emulation. Um, if you go through the trouble of, of refurbishing original hardware, you can get a pretty good experience, but that's way more trouble than a lot of people would probably think it's worth. So $80 for the Genesis module and a controller. For 32X, if you love that library of games, and we did talk about quite a few in the interview with John, uh, you know, it, it's it, it's really up to you whether you think it's worth it. But for me personally, I think um, I'm going to be leaning more towards the CD-based games um, and any kind of enhancements it could do that original hardware can't. And as we just saw with the Mr. Genesis Core, that's pretty freaking impressive, that adaptive blending. So Polymega would really have to come up with some unique stuff for me personally to want the Genesis module. But like I, like I repeated myself a million times, this is just an opinion. It's not fact. I'm certainly not trying to tell anybody not to buy it or discourage anybody from using it. As with anything you buy, especially anything expensive, just kind of put your whole setup into perspective when you're using it and decide if this is really something that's worth it. I still have high hopes for the Polymega itself. I just don't know how much I'm going to like it with 16 and 8-bit consoles. Well, that's it for this week. As always, thank you so much to everybody that watches, listens, participates nicely in the comments, and especially to everybody that supports on Patreon and Floatplane, because it's really you that is keeping these weekly roundups and all of the crazy behind-the-scenes stuff happening. So thank you all so much. I really appreciate it, and I really want to keep doing this as long as I can. So thanks again, and I'll see you next week.